Well, brothers and sisters, last week we started a new series entitled The Kingdom Mission of the Church. The Kingdom Mission of the Church. And last week we covered some ground and I just wanted to go back and read a paragraph that I had from last week that will help lead us into this week. But this is an an important series because, again, the church has a mission and it's a kingdom mission. And sometimes we get confused about what the church's mission is, but God was never confused about exactly what he was creating in the earth for us to do as his church. Now, again, the word church has been kind of brutalized over the years, and they've been, it was used to sometimes determine or identify a building, but biblically, In the B-I-B-L-E, whenever the word church is used, it's never describing a building. Never, not once. It's always describing a body of people. It's always describing his children. So we need to make sure that we understand that church is not at the corner of walk and don't walk. Church is universal. Church is everywhere. It has no borders. It has no location because we are the church. Somebody say amen. It's because this is important for us to get. Now, I'm just going to read you this paragraph real quick. It says the original purpose and plan of God. The original purpose and plan of God was the extension of his kingdom on earth through mankind. Just to go back just a little bit. God is in heaven. God wants to create this image of himself in the earth. So he creates Adam and Eve. And places them in the earth and he gives them dominion over everything. It's in Genesis chapter 3, I believe. He gives them dominion over everything. All of the animals, all of the sea creatures, everything. Why? Because he has dominion over everything in heaven. And he wanted this to be the extension on the earth. So what comes to earth? His kingdom comes to earth. Is everybody still with me? His kingdom comes to earth. But I need you to understand this today as we move forward. The kingdom and the church are not the same thing. The kingdom is where it's the realm in which we live. You come out of the world into this kingdom. This is God's authority area. This is where he rules and reigns in this realm. It has no geographical borders. It has no identification. Everybody who accepts Jesus moves into this realm. Is this making sense to you today? So we live in this kingdom. Now, how does the church play its part? What is the mission of the church in the kingdom of God? And this is where we pick this up at. Again, the word church as interpreted from the Greek. And we all know that the New Testament is Greek interpreted. It's so most of these words are from the Greek. And again, some words get interpreted correctly. Some don't. I'm not that knowledgeable. I just study, but I know this, the word church in Greek meant ecclesia or ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek term for church. That's the word that was translated church ecclesia or ecclesia was translated from the Greek to mean church. But let's look at a study here about what the word ecclesia means. Ecclesia is a legislative assembly of called out people who are called together to make the decisions of the king known to the people. One more time. Church, ecclesia, a legislative assembly 
of called out people who are called together to make the decisions of the king known to the people. The Romans, when they took over Greece, borrowed this term. Now, we all know all the movies we've seen, Caesar. Hell, Caesar. Well, Caesar had a cabinet. He had senators. And the job of these senators were to make known to all of the little cities and areas around in Rome. Their job was to make known to the people whatever Caesar decided. So that legislative assembly or that ecclesia is the word that was borrowed by the Romans. And then it was put into the Bible as the church. So the concept here is there's this, led, this group of people, this assembly of people who are gathered together. And their job is to make sure that the king or the Lord, whatever his concepts are, his ideas, his wishes are made known to the people. That is what the church's mission is. Our mission is to make sure that God's desire for the earth is made known to the people. Does that make sense to y'all today? Somebody said that's too simple. No, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. We are the assembly of God. We are the body of God. So what did God do first? He sent Jesus to the earth. What did, what did they say about Jesus? He was the exact representation of God. So when Jesus comes to the earth, Jesus says, if you know me, then you know the father. So he was a one man, a legislative assembly of God. If you know Jesus, then you know the father. Now, Jesus in turns gives us the authority to do what? Represent him. So when they see us as the ecclesia, they should be able to know who Jesus is. Can you see why Satan wanted to blur this image? Do you see why it was so important for him to get in there and disturb that? Because he doesn't want people to know who Jesus is or what the kingdom is. He doesn't want people to know who Jesus is or what the purpose and plan of God is. So what did he do? He did some things in the church. He misdirected us in the church. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. Whenever Satan goes to work, he does not show up, you know, in these images that we had with the big pitchfork and, you know, the red hat with the antlers or thorns or horns on it. That's not him. This is what Satan does. If you were in a rowboat and there's six of you rowing in the same direction, you're rowing, Satan would just turn a little bit to the right. And just row, he would row that way, just causing enough drag and resistance to make the work harder on those who were rowing in the right way. So what did he do? He knew he couldn't defeat the church because scripture tells us that he's not able to do that. So what did he do? He tried to deform it. He tried to move it. He tried to make its mission and purpose confused. So we traded the church as the body to the church as a building. So now you have people who come to church on Saturdays or Sundays, and it's almost like we need a punching clock or time clock in the hallway. They come in, punch their time in, they sit down, they sing some songs, they go through a whole little program of service, and once it's over, they go out in the hallway, punch out, and they go home. Church is over. But that's not church, because the church is not the building. Is anybody following me today? This is how... 
this thing was twisted. So how do we fix it? The first thing we have to do is find out biblically what does the Bible say about the purpose of the church? Y'all ready to have some fun? I said, are you ready to have some fun? Yeah, I hear you out there. Get your pencils ready and begin to take some notes. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read this particular verse. And now we're beginning to describe and illuminate what this church means, this ecclesia. We'll begin at verse 16. And it says, and this is the Passion Translation. Simon Peter spoke up. Now, Jesus had just got done asking, who do the people say that I am? Who do they say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Now, that anointed one also means the Christ. So it says you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Pretty powerful revelation. So listen what Jesus says. Jesus replied. You are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own. But my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. Why did Jesus reply that way? Because in most cases, we always think about things physically. So most men, some of even the disciples that were following Jesus thought that he was there to take over the physical leadership of Israel, that he was going to become the king of Israel. So in their minds, they're thinking, we'll take over these buildings, we'll take over these synagogues, but that's not what he was talking about. So when Simon Peter referred to him as the Christ or the anointed one, the son of the living God, that was a powerful revelation that most of those guys didn't understand. Are you following me? Listen what it says here. It says, this is Jesus going on. He says, I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth, everybody get that? Listen closely. I give you the name Peter, a stone, small s. He's a stone, almost like a pebble. He's a stone. He said, and this truth, what truth? That Jesus is the Christ, that he's the anointed one, that he is the son of the living God. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation On which I will build my what? Church. My legislative assembly. So what is Jesus building his church on? He's building his church on the fact that he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the son of the living God. So the church is built on this foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is what every church should be built on. Now, just not his name, but his desires, because if we're his legislative assembly, then that means whatever he decides, it is our duty to make sure that the people know. We cannot take the church and make it what we want it to be. It has to be what Christ has desired for it to be. Does this make sense to anybody? Let's read on. It says, it says, and the power of death will not be able to overcome it. Will not be able to overcome what? The church, the legislative assembly. Hell cannot overcome. Satan cannot defeat the church when it is the legislative assembly of Jesus. That means when it is fulfilling what his desires are. 
Does Jesus love people? How many? He loves them all. So we can't have a church that teaches some people should be loved and some shouldn't. Because that would not be a proper decision of what Jesus came to represent. And I know this is hard for us because we have thought so long that our purpose was to decide who Jesus is not representing. He said specifically, he planted a parable about planting. And the next day they got up and they found that there was tares in with the wheat. And, and, and the people working on the farm asked him, hey, master, do you want us to go out and separate those things? And the owner said, no, no, because you don't know what you're doing. I know how to separate those things. Is anybody still here this morning? So our job has never been to figure out who ain't going. Our job is to make sure that everybody knows who this foundational rock is, who this foundational stone is. That's our job. He'll take care of the other part. We are to represent him in the earth. Are y'all still here this morning? Are you sure? Let me read on a little bit further. He says, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So the church is now formed upon that rock, which is Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. He's formed his legislative assembly and we'll read about this in a second. But he's also given us keys. So what he says to us is, I'm going to give you everything you need, church, to go out and fulfill what my desires are for the earth. Because when my father sent me, he gave me complete authority over everything on the earth. How do we know that? Jesus had the power over the wind. He had power over water. He had power over plants. He caused his plants to die. He stopped the wind. He stopped the waves. He had authority and power over everything because God wanted him to have that authority because he would represent God. Now, Jesus says to us, I'm going to form my church. I'm going to form my legislative assembly and then I'm going to give you keys. I'm going to give the keys to you. Keys to do what? To operate in the same fashion that he would operate. Is this making sense to anybody today? I sure hope y'all are having fun. I know I am already. So let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to begin to read at verse 19. Again, the Passion Translation. All these verses today are from the Passion Translation. Man. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power, listen closely, made available to you through faith. I don't know if you heard that. I don't know if you got that. Listen, it says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made what available to you. That's one of the keys. His power, his immeasurable power has been made available to you. Made available to you through what? Faith, be, through belief, through adherence to. Listen closely. It says, then, <laughs> when you experience this immeasurable thing, then your lives will be, oh man, an advertisement of this immense power 
as it works through you. Now listen to me. Jesus was the exact representation of God. He was the fullness of God on earth. Jesus dies for us. His death causes us to receive forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration. And now we become his legislative assembly. So what he then does to us, he bequeaths us. He gives to us these tools, these immeasurable witnesses or riches that we can experience in our everyday lives. And then we become a walking advertisement. (laughs) You talk about evangelism. And, you know, not the evangelism beating on people's doors all the time. No, your everyday life becomes an advertisement. Because there becomes this joy inside of you of knowing that God through Jesus has given you something that Satan cannot take away. He cannot take it away. The church will never be defeated. The church will never disappear. The ecclesia will always be present because we were giving a foolproof plan given to us by Jesus. But we are to follow his plan and not take it and make it ours. There are some churches that need to change their names. I know they may have churchy sounding names, but they're personal businesses of people. But that's not my job to determine which ones they are. God will determine just like Jesus talked to the fig tree. The fig tree had leaves on it like some buildings got crosses. (laughs) And he went to the fig tree and there was no fruit on it. So he withered that tree. Just like some churches are going to be withered. I don't know which ones that ain't my job. That's his job. But I need you to understand this. Is this making sense to you today? So let's read on. It says... Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power, listen, that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realms. So this power, these keys were released to us. Just a minute, I need you to kind of get, when's the last time you looked in the mirror and actually seen who you really were? See, you, some of us look in the mirror and we see our past. We see our mistakes. We see our failures. We see our low self-esteem. We see those images when we look in the mirror. I need you to know today that when Jesus died for you, his blood washed you clean. He killed off your past. You have become a brand new creation, a brand new creation in Christ. And then he didn't leave that alone. He gave you power to represent him. How? You don't have to produce these things. You just need to stay connected to him. And as you do, his kindness, his compassion, his right standing, all of those things will flow through you. You know, I got a lamp. My wife and I have this lamp, stand-up curve lamp thing in our living room. (laughs) It's always plugged in, but we rarely ever hit the switch to turn the light on. That's some of us. We plugged in, but we've never really turned the switch to turn the light on because we really didn't understand 
who we were in Christ. We really didn't understand that we are actually his exact representation in the earth. It is our job to represent him. So when people see us, they see Jesus, not you individually, because the body works together as a whole. But this is what churches are supposed to do. See, when we say there's a church at the corner of walk and don't walk, then everybody who's in that community, no matter what they look like, no matter how poor they are, no matter what the situations are, should be able to come there and be in the body with every other Christian. Well, I don't think you all get me today. So what did we do? Oh, we said, no, there's, there's conservative churches, there's liberal churches, there's this kind of church, there's that kind of church. Listen, there is no Republicans in heaven. There's no Democrats in heaven. There's just believers in heaven and believers on earth. We have to get our heads straight and go back to being the universal church, the body of Christ. Let me go on. See them, y'all mess around, get me all excited. <laughs> and now, who? And now he is what exalted as the first above every ruler. How many rulers? Every ruler, authority. Listen to this: government and realm of power in existence. <laughs> he is above that. So we can't sit around hoping that the government will do our job. The government was not created to do our job. I don't care how many laws they pass. They were never created to do our job. We are supposed to do our job. We are supposed to embrace people. We are supposed to promote unity. We are supposed to do these things. That's our job. Let me finish. He is gloriously enthroned. Over every name that is ever praised. Do you know who you're connected to? Do you know who you belong to? Why are we walking around afraid about what's going to happen tomorrow when we have a God who is above everything? He knows today, tomorrow, and eternity. He's already said that. Nothing can harm the church. So why are we afraid? A little wind blow. A little chaos comes and we're hunkered down in our houses afraid. Speak to the wind. (laughs) Speak to the waves. Tell them to stop. Jesus did. But how do we do that? You stand up in these crying times because the church needs, I mean, the people need church. They need us. But they don't need us to come to them infected with the same stuff they have. If you have the same stuff they got, you're just spreading germs. We need to know who we are. Hopefully today this is helping you get that. He is glorious in throne over every name that is ever praised. Not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader And source of everything needed in his church, in the legislative assembly. So who's the leader of the church? Jesus is. He is our leader. He is the one that we sit in the Senate or sit in his legislative assembly. And we hear what he calls us to do. And we don't ask him, well, wait a minute. I don't think we need to do it that way. Wait a minute. I I got a better idea. (laughs) (laughs) No, he say, 
we receive, we go. He say, we receive, we go. Well, Pastor, I, I don't like it. Good. See, because that's what pruning is for. For us to get pruned and cut away from all the stuff that makes us uncomfortable. Because my comfortability should never be measured close to what Christ is calling me to do. I'm his church. I am his body. My feet don't argue with me when I tell them to put themselves in the shoe. If they do, I go to the hospital and get that fixed. So why are we? Well, I I don't, you know, they don't vote like me, so I don't like them. You know how many voting machines are in heaven? I need us to understand what we're doing because we are the ones who should be helping people, directing people. Let me finish this, man. And he alone is the leader, source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all So I don't care who it is. I don't care who they call on. Jesus is above everybody. And now, everybody say, and now. Boy, I love this, man. I'm telling you, this is some good stuff. And now we, his church, his legislative assembly, are his body. And on the earth, and that which fills him who is being filled by it. So he fills us. With all of that authority, all of that power to represent it. And at the same time, he continually fills us. Every place we go. Guess what? You will never run out of anything. As long as you stay connected to him. Everything you will ever need will always be supplied. That's why he said you don't even have to pray for what you need. Because I already know what you need before you pray. Y'all still here? You getting this? So listen to me. (laughs) We're going to close with this last particular verse but i need you to get who you are so the next time you look in the mirror you won't see this broken scared broken down frightful person you can see i am the body of christ therefore everything all power and authority has been given to me let's go on colossians chapter one he is the divine portrait the true likeness of the invisible god And the firstborn heir of all creation. This is who Jesus is. For in him, in Jesus, was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it All exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made. And now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body. The ecclesia, the legislative assembly, the church. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place 
and everything. I'm going to say this and we'll keep moving. There's no need in hoping that God sees people the way you do. There's no need in praying that God sees people the way you do. You know what our prayer should be? Lord, allow me to see people the way you do. Oh, you're going to, that hurts. Yes, pruning does hurt. But that's what our prayer should be. Because guess what? You're going to be unsuccessful at changing Christ's mind about how he feels about the creation that he created. Oh, I sure hope y'all are getting this. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. God is satisfied that Jesus is his exact representation and that all of his power, all of his fullness is in Christ. Jesus has to be satisfied with the church. He has to be satisfied. Why? Because when he ascended up, he sent the Holy Spirit. So we would then be the exact representation of him. Let me finish this. For God is satisfied to have all, excuse me, for God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, the purpose and plan of God, restored To innocence, again, if if you ain't dancing yet, I don't know if you can dance. (laughs) You've been restored to innocence again. It is like you have never, ever sinned. Why did he do that for us? So we could go sin again? No, he did it so we could be in the ranks of his legislative assembly. So we could be his church and we would have the power, the source of strength. To go into the world. Why? Because people will try to remember or try to remind you of who you used to be. This wisdom allows you to stand up knowing that you have been made innocent by the blood of Jesus. You have no reason to fear. No reason to doubt. No reason to think that you're a second class Christian. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts... And actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you. Through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now, everybody say now. And now there is nothing... No thing between you and the Father God. I said there is nothing, no thing between you and the Father God. I don't know about you. I needed to hear that truth so badly in my life because I thought everything was between us. I thought I did stuff that could never be forgiven, never be overlooked. But he said what he has already done for us. How about you? Do you grasp this today? Do you understand why he set you free? He didn't set you free so you could do what you wanted to do. He set you free so you could live in this kingdom, be his legislative assembly, and then go forward into the world with all authority, with all the keys to do what his desire is. God wants everybody restored to him. He wants everybody to know who he is. And then he gives them the power to do what? Take dominion on the earth. 
that his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let me finish our close. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, that same foundation that Jesus told Peter he was going to build his church on, to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel, the good news you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preached all over the world. I can even celebrate the sorrows I have experienced on your behalf. For as I join with you in your difficulties, it helps you to discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings Jesus Christ experienced for his body, the church. This is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you church body of Christ with the word of God. This is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now is being revealed unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope. Filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everybody or everyone to know it. Christ is our message. Not the Christ that we want him to be. But the Christ that he is. That's our message. So I'm going to close here today because I need you to get something. We look at situations and circumstances and we think that Christ is not there. He can't be a part of that or he can't be a part of them or he can't be a part of that. Poor Jonah didn't want to go to Nivea because Nivea was full of Gentiles. So Jonah resisted vehemently not to go. God who commands everything commanded the whale to swallow Jonah. Now I can imagine Jonah is not sitting in the belly of the whale with his legs crossed reading the local newspaper. I can imagine that being frightening and horrible and scary and unknown because he's never been in the belly of a whale before. Is anybody understanding what I'm saying? But God knew where he needed to go. So the whale spit him out on Nivea, even though Jonah didn't want to go there. I'm telling you today, God going to be spitting some of us out. 
in places that we didn't want to go because, listen to me, God had no problem with the people in Nivea. He wanted his word to go there and he wants us to become one body again. The church has been divided up way too long and we have gotten confused and messed up about what we're supposed to do. It is time for all of these walls to come down. But listen to me, there's some folks who know more about the wall than they do about the Christ. They know more about their denominational history than they do about the Jesus of the B-I-B-L-E. And it is our duty, it is our job to say to each and every one of them, I don't care what you call yourself. I talked to a couple the other day. She's Catholic. He's non-denominational. Think about this. They actually stood before me and said, I'm Catholic and, and, and she's, you know, she's the non-denominational. We were wondering if we could get married. Do you see what we have done to ourselves? Love supersedes everything. I don't give a darn what you, you could be blind, crippled. How many people own dogs with three legs? Dogs with one ear, can't hear, can't see. Because you love them. Love supersedes everything. So tell me this. Are you going to stand here and tell me you can't get married because you are Catholic and you non-denominational? I seen two non-denominationals get married and were divorced a month later. I seen two Catholics get married and were divorced six months later. Why? Because the, the marriage is not about these labels that we have made up. It's made up about your heart. So listen to me, brothers and sisters. It's time to go on home. It's time to settle down. It's time to revisit who we are and why. The kingdom mission of the church is that Christ is our message. Christ is our message. Nothing else, no one else. Christ is our message. Pastor, I, I, I spent so much studying, so long studying about, about, you know, what this means and what that means. I'm sorry. I am. I'm sorry. All that is is something you have to give up. So listen to me. You keep coming. Come back next week. We're going to keep working on this particular series because there are so many things to open up, so many things to unveil, so many things to reveal to us about what the kingdom mission of the church is. So we can get back to doing what we have been called to do. I thank you for hanging out with a brother today. I thank you for being here. You know, I get excited and I guess you already know that, but because it's just truth. It is this good news and it is good news. I know I needed it and I know you do too. God bless you. Thank you so much. We will see you again next week. God bless.